Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 643 with a review of Sound of Metal. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, earlier in the feeds, we had a review of Mank, and now we are talking about Sound of Metal, which premiered uh, on uh, Amazon Prime video this past weekend. Um, this is a film uh, that I think was at one of the festivals that we saw things from, but we weren't able to catch it. Um, I don't remember which one it was, but it was something that like I've been looking forward to for a while um, and was ex- yeah. excited. I think it was at TIFF when we went to TIFF. Like, I think it was there a long time ago, like okay. over a year ago. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it definitely shows up as a 2019 film, um, but... Uh, but here it is. It's finally available for us to watch. We're finally getting to see what this is all about. This is this is this is a serious film. Um, but to start off, I want to ask you a slightly joking question, um, and that is: uh, so so the two leads in this film, they uh, they it, this film's called The Sound of Metal. Um, so they play what is, I guess, metal music. <laughs> yeah, but it's also. It's a lot of noise, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know that it's metal. I think it's hardcore. I, I feel like metal fans would take issue with that being called metal. Yeah, but but either way, do you think the reason they had these characters play very abstract, noise-heavy... Like, like it, it's kind of like wall of noise music. It's sort of just kind of like... It's not like... When we see the songs, it's like the end of any concert where everybody's just banging away on stuff and everything's going crazy. Do you think that they did that specifically so that these leads wouldn't have to learn these instruments too much? <laughs> I don't know. That, that's a good question. I actually felt impressed because I thought they pulled it off very well. And the genre maybe helps with that because it doesn't need to be perfect. It, it yeah. can be more about the spirit of it. Uh, but I, without getting into a review of the movie, I felt much like Green Room that this movie got the music totally right. Like this was like a very realistic portrayal of the anarchist live performance spirit. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know if they picked this because it would be the easiest way for them to learn how to do something compellingly. Because it also for the storyline, this kind of very loud music that two people could do on their own fits with the you know hearing loss. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to say. Yeah, but I just, I just definitely like when the song started, like, cause I, I like, I like music, um, and I'm, I, I, I like films that work music into the story. But like when you look at something like, say, Whiplash, and you talk right. about Miles My, Teller learning the drums to play that role, I like I have a drum set behind me right now, and I will never be able to play as good as Miles <laughs> Teller does in Whiplash. I can yeah. definitely play. <laughs> as good as Riz Ahmed in this film. See, I couldn't... I could not play as good as he could, but I (laughs) have never even learned how to do a drum roll. I'm very uncoordinated when it comes to holding drumsticks. (laughs) Yeah, I just just thought it was kind of funny because I was was kind of excited to see, like, what they were going to go for. And I was like, oh, they're going for this, like only fans go to this show kind of yeah. kind of style of music which i mean for all i know both both leads play music amazingly on their own it's just what we're seeing in the film is very is more simple and a lot of just like prolonged like sound coming out of the instrument and yeah. screaming 
Did you ever catch up with her smell? I did not. Okay. I think it would be interesting to watch her smell and try to compare how this movie uses music to how that movie does. Because the genres are different, but I think at least Olivia Cooke is doing something fairly similar to what is happening in her smell. And it'd, it'd be interesting to see how you feel about it. Yeah. Well, either way, the metal itself is less important to the story as the the loss of hearing that begins to take effect begins to take effect extremely quickly, um, yeah. which honestly was kind of a surprise to me in this film. Um, it, it, I mean, it was it, a it was huge a, surprise to me because I never read the synopsis, <laughs> so oh, okay. I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think because I I think I read the synopsis back when it was in the festival because I remember. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as I saw the name, I was like, oh, that was that one movie about the drummer who was losing his hearing. Um, so, yeah. So, it's, it's nice to know it was a big surprise for you. Sorry, spoilers for uh, <laughs> for sorry, anybody who doesn't I'm, know what this I must be about. the only person who would be seeking this out without knowing the twist. I, I thought it was an addiction story, which, like, it kind of is, arguably, but th- yeah. that was all I knew about it. Interesting. Uh, cool. Well, uh, what do you say, Stephen? We... And also... I do think that we should break this into spoiler, non-spoiler segment, because as much yeah. as I'm willing to spoil the fact that this is about a metal drummer beginning to lose his hearing, there is stuff that I really, really want to talk about, which I right. I feel like is... it. I think the story is fine if you know that stuff, but it's just, I, I think the sure. experience of it I, is... I think is, we can have a healthy spoiler section for this. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, well, we're going to go ahead and start by listening to the trailer for Sound of Metal, then we're going to come back and give you a review. You sound great. Yeah, right. What? You're telling me you weren't feeling it? You were in it. We don't need to, we don't need to put them all out. I know, but we have to keep going. Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm going to be like a click track. You can play to me. You have to understand your first responsibility is to preserve the hearing you have. I can't hear you. Do you understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. found a place. I think it's important that you stay here with us right now, Ruben. We're looking for a solution to to this. Not this. I need you to wait for me. Okay? You're in for me. You're my part. You're in for me. Okay? You gotta wait for me. keep moving it can be a damn cruel place but those moments of stillness when this 
radiating and magnificent. All the fear is gone. That place will never abandon you. All right, so that was the trailer for Sound of Metal. Um, it is the basically the story of um, these this band of two um, who play metal music and they're traveling uh, around the country doing performances, just kind of making a living, living out of their airstream. And uh, one day, the drummer suddenly has very rapid onset like degradation of hearing, and it's sort of about how he and more broadly they they sort of. Uh, deal with what's happening to him and what that means for him and them and life. <laughs> uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Sound of Metal? Uh, so first, I want to figure out ground rules for what goes in non-spoiler section. Are we saying him going deaf is a known thing, but the choices that he makes after that are spoilers? Precisely. Yeah. So basically, okay. we can we we can we're basically we're acknowledging that he's going deaf, and that's like just the thing that is happening to him over the course of this film. Um, yep. And we can talk about like the initial place that he goes, basically. Um, yeah. How he how he begins to interact with other deaf people, basically. Um, right. And then everything else <laughs> we'll consider spoilers. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That that yeah. sounds good to me. Uh, so, the first thing I want to say is this movie is fucking beautiful. I I thought this movie was really, really, really lovely and such a pleasant surprise. Like, I'm gonna be honest. One downside of doing my recent like don't watch a trailer, don't read anything about it, uh, thing is when a movie is called The Sound of Metal and the picture is basically a drummer in a metal band. I don't immediately think this movie is going to make me cry. <laughs> like, like that isn't the thing I expect. And yeah. this movie completely did. I think it, it, it should be obvious just from the premise that this is a great headphone movie, but this is a great headphone movie. Yeah. Like this, the way this movie uses sound is ingenious. And it is a thing that only cinema could do, which I think is like, like it's rare to find a movie that, the only way to convey what it wants to convey is through the medium. Um, th some of this felt, I, I don't want to say extra personal, but the, the fear that like that Riz Ahmed's character feels kind of struck a chord with me because in my own like minor way, I had issues like two years ago now, maybe where, suddenly my hearing was fucked up like, like i'd been on too many plane rides or something and for like a month a month and a half like my ears would just be shut and maybe like they would open for a few minutes and then they would shut again and even yeah. that minor like losing i don't know 30 percent or whatever for a month was like existentially it was like very upsetting to me because the way you perceive the world has changed and that makes you feel distant from other people and uh, yeah. of course that like doesn't light a candle to people who actually experience deafness um but like anything that like changes your equilibrium suddenly your priorities shift so radically from like 
going about your day and maximizing happiness and, you know, get the right coffee in the morning, blah, 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 to like, fuck, I want to hear like, like these like basic human needs when they go away. It is really upsetting. And I think Riz Ahmed is fantastic in this movie in showing how you would react to to this experience, how you would like try to cope, how you would ignore it at first and be in denial and then the like immense frustration you would feel when you realize that there's nothing you can do about it um i think i i will argue there are three stars of this movie uh riz ahmed olivia cook and paul rossi um and i think they're all fantastic is he the, the leader of that home yeah, yeah exactly um i think they're all fantastic in the role that they have to play um there is there's just so much here to love, but I really think it's just about putting you in the position of a person who has gone deaf. The end, like that alone, that elevator pitch is amazing. <laughs> like the fact that this movie, I assume, is true to life. Um, I it, it seems like the cast of this movie, they were pretty inclusive. Like they tried to make sure they cast many deaf people to play themselves and make sure that like you know, they were getting actual feedback from people who have experienced this before. Yeah. I don't know how you work out. How does it sound to lose your hearing? And like other things we'll talk about in spoilers too. But I, I, I have faith that they did their homework. Um, and to, to me, that is just an amazing achievement uh, in, in film, especially for a small kind of unassuming movie like this to do. I think the, the arc of i i mentioned before so i hope it doesn't count as a spoiler like he is also an addict um and the arc of this as a parallel to addiction and like the phases that you go through and the letting go that happens it it is all extraordinarily moving like immediately yeah. this movie is very very moving and then it has a few tricks up its sleeve toward the end that hit you even harder out of nowhere and it is just it is so elegant and so smart and it doesn't overdo anything and nothing outstays its welcome. And I, I just thought it was really, really, really a fantastic movie. And I was so happy that I watched it. Um, and again, in spoilers, we'll talk more, but this, this wades into some very sensitive issues among the deaf community and how the deaf community views the hearing community and vice versa that, I think it just handles it all very, very beautifully. And it, it demonstrates why that would be a thing without. Yeah, it, it just it's just such a good, sensitive movie that hits really, really, really hard. And I, th I thought it was a real gem. And yeah, it made me cry all alone on my couch on, on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, I. I um, the first thing I, I want to just double stamp um, that you said is. You know, like earlier today, there's there's a call there's a call we have twice weekly at the office, um, which you're usually on, and you are not on today. And in that group, I people were asking what movies came out, and I said Sound of Metal, and then they asked they asked me how it was, and I was like, well, I can't say because we haven't recorded this episode yet, but what I will say is, if you usually watch films with other people do whatever you can so that you can watch this in headphones. Because as you said, like one of the things we've talked about as COVID has been happening is, is that like just the loss of going to see things on the big screen, being in an auditorium with people, this is maybe the only 
movie that I've ever seen that I would rather have seen it alone in headphones than be able to have seen it. And even though we missed it at the festival when we were there and had the chance to see it, this, I think the only way to watch this film is to watch it in headphones. Like I, half of my experience of watching this film is just the, the thinking of the fact that I'm like, just the acknowledgement that I have headphones on and specifically noise canceling headphones because yeah. there there's a thing that happens with noise noise canceling headphones where like if you're not playing something there's this eerie sense of the loss mm-hmm. of the outside world and this is a film that is doing that at the same time and i i it's just this beautiful marriage of the art that you're consuming and the reality of how you're consuming it that, like it is a brilliant brilliant presentation of an idea and it's like even if the story of this film was horrible, which it is not, I would still praise the shit out of this film because of what it's doing. And I, I'm aware that I'm a fully hearing person. I'm, I'm slightly wary of coming off like a white person that just watched crash and thinks they understand racism now. Um, Mm -hmm. but what this film does magically is that like, like, so, so when I first read the synopsis for this way back when, I was excited for it, but what I was excited for at the time was the idea of Riz Ahmed losing music, which means a lot to us, to other people, to like, like music is a thing that you experience that brings you joy. Lots of events I've done throughout my life have surrounded music. Some of the best times I've had has been going to concerts, like, and thinking of losing that And then on top of that, thinking of what if that is your livelihood, like you do music for your life, like you, you live in a little airstream and you travel around the country. And if you lose music, you kind of have nothing. And that's what I was thinking of. I, like an idiot, (laughs) was not even thinking about just the loss of sound itself. Like forget the emotional ties to individual things that you hear. What about just all the other things that exist in the world And how would that sudden loss, like, as you said, like, it is frightening. Like, I haven't had the long, prolonged, like, I didn't have the situation that you have, but I've definitely had times where, like, I know we're not supposed to use Q-tips, but I do because I'm never going to not use them. And I've definitely, like, had some times where, like, I kind of, like, hit something wrong. And then for, like, a week, I feel like there's something in there. And I'm just like, did I do do something wrong? Like, and I've had, like, mini, like, I'm like, no, I'm just going to write it out. And, like, three weeks later, it was fine. But I could hear totally fine. It was just like if I yawned, I heard like a little like crackle in my ear, right? It was just something that was like seemed scary, but everything's fine. But like I never really have thought about all the things about our sensory input that are strictly sound and what that does to you. Like I when I first got AirPods, if I had the 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 noise canceling on but I didn't have music playing like a podcast at end and it was the end of a playlist and it stopped going that weird feeling of like being able to hear my breath from inside my body. Like mm-hmm. even that would be gone in this situation, right? Like where it's, it's, I, I don't know. It's, I, I, I didn't understand that feeling of loss on that level. I was thinking emotional ties to the world, not emotional, like not the tie to reality suddenly being gone. And what I think this film does amazingly even besides that is like you and i have had experience uh, 
may probably being around a dinner table where everybody at that table speaks a language that is not English and yeah. we only speak English and being thrust into that situation where it's like everybody's communicating and you're literally getting nothing. You can get context clues for like whether they're talking about something funny or sad or exciting or whatever, but you're just like there waiting for somebody to clue you in on what's happening. Imagine if that was just like everything forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, well, and and that does get to one of the brilliant things that I don't want to ruin in spoilers. Is it very much brings that analogy back around in a way that I was like, oh, amazing, <laughs> like yeah. ama amazing writing in this movie. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's I like I I love this film immensely, and it it's it's a film that it doesn't just hit you intellectually. It like hits you like you feel it as though like it it brings you into that character and you experience the world as him. And there are lots of films that let you empathize with the character, but I haven't seen a lot of films that let you literally have his POV. I mean, you're, it's third person mm -hmm. POV, but like you have his auditory POV and yeah. those moments just it, it kind of floored me. Like I, I was watching this film and I was like this might be the greatest film I've ever seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I know. I, I went through the same experience when I started to realize what it was doing and how it was using sound and sound mixing to get you there. Um, it It is really spectacular. I also think, again, the, the, even the name is so clever because the, there are at least three interpretations of that name, two of which I can talk about now. <laughs> you know, there's the obvious <laughs> one of music, you know, metal, I would argue they're probably hardcore, but hey, heavy metal, hardcore, who knows, <laughs> something, something like that. Um, there is also a, a wonderful scene that I would say is his first starting to come to terms with his situation and how to find joy in it, involving him and a kid of uh, communicating yeah. uh, via a piece of metal that I was like, oh, you brilliant movie. This is what you're talking about. And then they do something else and it... <laughs> It is great. It, it, this is the kind of movie that I feel like would take forever to conceive of because it is just like there's no fat on this movie. Like it knows exactly what it wants to do and it just does it amazingly. Yeah. And I do I do really like to those like specifically those scenes. There, there are a couple scenes where people are hearing sound through. Sometimes it's metal, sometimes it's other things, um, but they're basically hearing sound through vibrations. And there's been like lately, like if. If I've got like just a couple minutes before a meeting's gonna start, um, since we're all working from home, I'll just put on my bass and I'll just like play around on it, like while I'm waiting for the meeting to start. And I've noticed this interesting thing. I don't know if it's extra because of wearing the the noise canceling headphones all the time, but I can't really hear what I'm playing, but I can feel it through the strap going over my shoulder. Mm -hmm. So it's like I play it and I feel the note, like the lower I go on the bass, the more I f hear it in my ear through the strap on my shoulder. Like it's just, there's something that's like really, really yeah. interesting. So like all the moments in this film where you are hearing the sound transmitted through other objects, I was just like, oh man, there's just like so much really awesome stuff that this film is doing. And it just, it's kind of, and, and, and like, you know, we'll, we'll get in spoilers, we'll get into like the actual conversation about how the character handles it and how he, how he, how he does it but it's like there's so much the technical execution of what this film is doing is just so good it's so amazing yeah. um so yeah i just i i can't praise this film enough yeah i 
I agree. I, I also want to say, and this message is in the trailer, so I feel like it isn't spoilery. There is a notion of stillness and acceptance and what it would mean to just embrace the solitude and find your own meaning in it that I think, like many films uh, in 2020 especially, that had an extra oomph for me because so many of us are kind of trying to do that in our lives, you know, is we're used to the noise and the daily grind and the world spinning around us. And now all of a sudden we are sitting in rooms trying to find meaning again. And it, I, I just thought it was a really like a lovely idea of like, how do you derive meaning from yourself? And yeah. like in your best days, maybe you can do that. So my, my question for you, Stephen, is did you already order from Amazon a stack of spiral notebooks and a box of pencils? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I did actually just open a Christmas present that had uh, pencils and a notebook. So maybe I'll start doing this. <laughs> that definitely seems up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because I've already been waking up early in the morning and making a cup of coffee, so I'm like, I'm halfway there. The battle's yeah. already, yeah, I'm, I'm already up. Now you gotta literally and figuratively crush a donut. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Stephen, should we should we wrap this up so we can get into some spoilers for Sound of Metal? Yeah. All right, for everybody who's not going to stick with us, uh, we're going to go ahead and do verdicts for you. I think you probably know where this is going. Um, but Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Definitely a must-see. I think this is a this is that rare kind of movie that is both deeply moving and technically mind-blowing. And that, it's really hard to do both. And they, they just found a storyline that does it and from everything i can tell it isn't like manipulative or exploitative like they did their homework they included the right people they learned what they have to learn and it and it shows i think this is just like a a really fantastic movie yeah i mean i i thought it was brilliant um i loved everything it was doing it it handled the subject matter in a way that was wildly different than what i was expecting and what brought me to want to watch the film and it nailed it so much that I was like, that's so much better than anything that I was thinking you were going to do with this. Um, and this is, this is one of the most experiential films I've, I've ever seen. I've never I've ever experienced. I mean, this is like, this is like the Dunkirk of, <laughs> of this, this type of story, right? It's, it's just a, it's like my, my only tiny complaint is, is there is a gap in time um that i just don't know how long it was mm -hmm. and how he advances within that gap of time it took yeah. me a it, it took me like a second to reacclimate once i saw what was happening um to to sort of settle back in and I, i'm totally i'm totally fine with it but it's like i just that was sort of a jarring sudden change and i don't know if it was just done for time or if the story always included that jump a little bit um but but yeah, that's my that's my tiniest complaint but it's still an amazing film yeah, and I, I would i would agree with that like i said there isn't an ounce of fat on this movie it could have indulged in more fat like this movie <laughs> could have been 15 minutes longer i think and it could have given us a little bit more of the traditional arc that i think we were all expecting 
in in that moment and the fact that it bypasses it is totally cool and it shows some confidence because they had other places they wanted to get to but yeah. i would have loved to just you know cry for a little longer but yeah i mean it's like a nice steak right you want them to render down the fat but you don't want somebody to just cut all the fat off like that's not what you're asking right. for <laughs> no i don't want a filet i want you know at least a new york strip <laughs> um yeah, so that is the non-spoiler part of our review of Sound of Metal. So we are going to do the credits for the episode, and then we're going to transition into those uh, spoilers for you. So for now, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Sound of Metal, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that music's going to fade up, and when the music fades away... We are going to be talking full-blown spoilers for Sound of Metal, so watch out. It's going to be coming at you. Gone, gone into the rain today, into the rain today. Gone, gone to safety. All righty, we are back. This is Spoiler Territory. It's the after part of our review of Sound of Metal. We are talking full-blown spoilers um, for this episode, so watch out. Here they come right now. Um, let's start about, I guess, let's start just talking about how quickly in the film this starts happening and his sort of immediate reaction. Like, it, it, like I, I thought it was just kind of, it happens, he freaks the shit out, and he just like takes off to immediately go to a doctor and doesn't tell his girlfriend where he's going and he's kind of just like uh i'm gonna go figure this out and i I thought that was very much like uh i've definitely been in situations where like things were like my car exploded like while i was driving in it um and Mm -hmm. i kind of just like pulled over to the side of the road and kind of sat there for a little while not knowing what to do because i'm like i'm like shit i use this for everything (laughs) and he basically just had his eardrums explode yeah and and he he doesn't even have time to settle and, and, and think, oh, fuck, what do I do? He immediately just, like, grabs his phone, bails, and tries to go to someone immediately. I mean, he goes to a pharmacy at first because he doesn't know where to go besides that. But it was definitely, I felt like his panic and his desire not to immediately ask for help, but to go, like, not to ask for help from his girlfriend or tell her what's going on, but just to, like dart out the door and immediately try to talk to somebody as soon as possible um in our world we would be like furiously googling like can you suddenly lose your hearing (laughs) um (laughs) but given that they live in you know they're living that nomad land lifestyle (laughs) yeah um yeah anyways so yeah what, what were your thoughts on on that Oh, I mean, I, I, I found that very relatable because I think that's what I would do in that <laughs> scenario is first try to downplay it and then try to be like, all right, I'm going to go problem solve. I'm going to do it. not going to bother anybody with this. Uh, probably I am hearing, you know, and I'm just, you know, I'm just crazy right now. I'm just overthinking it too much. Um, him reaching for decongestants, also way too real. Like that is for sure <laughs> what I would do in that situation also. Um and yeah, like the the stages of grief that he kind of goes through over the course of the next 24, 48 hours, I think is it 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 really made it feel like 
like Ruben and Lou are both like fully thought out characters that have whole backstories that we only barely get to learn about and we don't need to learn about it, but it informs why they would act the way they would act in that moment. Yeah. And like the the way he has the the pent up aggression and the desire to redirect it and the desire to be like sturdy and in control. And then the, it all just like fits together so well in the kind of roller coaster of a few days that he has after that. So, yeah, I mean, that was how the movie hooked me right away was watching him, how like in the beginning, he's so calm and peaceful and how at odds that is with his, you know, the music that he makes, like him waking up in the morning, listening to like old timey music and kind of like dancing while he makes a smoothie. Um, Already you're seeing like the two pieces of him and then watching them kind of collide when a real uh, terrifying event happens to him. Uh, like already that was an amazing character study. And that's before all of the weepy heartfelt stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And watching him experiment even before he leaves the 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 the, the little their home, um, like him trying to pop his ears by yawning. Like, that's a thing that you, like, yeah. if you've ever been on a plane or driven to, like, Julian or something as a kid, you yeah. know, like, going into the mountains, you always, like, you discover just on your own that, like, eventually you yawn and it pops your ears. And him just, like, trying to do the yawn and popping and then, like, getting more and more frantic as he can't unpop it and, like, using the magic bullet and then not hearing all the sound coming from it and just, like, the 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 panic sort of wash over him was... I think that's when I transitioned from the, this is a story about the thing you care about being lost because of the loss of hearing and then it being simply about the loss of hearing and everything else that affects in your life. Like that's where I started to really like see that transition come into place. And I was like, oh, I'm in for something wildly different than what I was expecting. And that's also when I was like, damn, dude, headphones was the right choice <laughs> for this. Yeah. Like I, I told Jamie after I finished because she she was doing she was working on some stuff. So she didn't watch the film with me. And like she was she was like, how was it? And I was like, uh, I like when you watch movies with me. But I'm going to be honest, I'm glad you didn't watch this one with me because I think headphones, I think this film needed headphones to get the full experience from it. Um, so, yeah, that was just adding more, more, uh, yeah. <laughs> more bits to it. So, so okay, so, so there's a couple big spoilery things to talk about. Um, I don't. I don't know if I should go to the obvious one first or leap ahead to the slightly less obvious one. But I, let, let's start with the obvious one: uh, getting cochlear implants. That is yeah. like a big pivot in this movie, and it is hinted early on. And I, I don't know a ton about the deaf community. I knew enough to know that cochlear implants are controversial because um, it's generally seen as trying to brute force quote solve a quote problem when you know the, the general uh rallying cry of the deaf community is like this is not a problem this is a language this is a new way to express yourself and like yeah. we are happy to be this and we don't need a coarse version of you know the auditory world as a substitute for it um the i was really thinking when he went to get cochlear implants that this movie was going to be just vilifying it or at least making it be like, this was a huge mistake he made. He like threw his life away. Now he has nothing. And it does, it doesn't do that either. It does a really good job of showing the, the pros and cons and 
again, the technical achievement, which I can only imagine is accurate, um, of showing how it is not a substitute. It is the sound of metal. You know, it is a it is a different thing that you are hearing. Yeah. And it isn't the same beauty that you had in the regular world. It becomes a a noise that is more jarring and harsh to you because you've been so used to silence for so long. And I just thought that was phenomenal. I, w- I was so interested. Like, at that point, the movie already was amazing just from the way it used mixing to show what it might feel like to lose your hearing, but then showing what it would feel like to get it back in this kind of warped digital way. I, I, I My mind was just blown by that. Yeah, I, I think, I think for, for me... For me, that the most brilliant portrayal. I'm well, old. Sorry, I, I can't even say the most. Like there are there are like several moments of him experience the cochlear Im- implants that that do something brilliant. The first is when he's first turning them on, and he's like, "Uh, this is weird." And then she's like, "Oh, let me make adjustments." And he's like, "Oh, cool. So we can fine tune this." And the more that they tweak the knobs, and it's only ever worse or different. Um, mm-hmm. And and he's like, no, 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 no. The other, go, go back to the other one. And then, like, then, then the woman just says, "Look, you need to get used to the fact that this is just how the world sounds to you now. Th- this, like, these devices don't bring it back to what you considered normal before. This is the thing that you're getting. So you will now have sound." But it is this distorted, as you said, metal version of yeah. the world. And that is that is what you're that is just this is your new normal. So get used to that. That sort of realization is still like it's just hugely impactful of like because I, I was from a technical standpoint, not not a technical execution of the film, but from a technical lens execution of what this device does in the real world. I was like, oh, shit. So you just fucking tweak these. Not it's, it's kind of like when you're going to get glasses like. They they flip the little yeah. lenses of your eye and they say better or worse and you go like worse and then they flip the other lens and you're like okay better and then they figure out what your prescription is right in my head I'm like I'm like oh shit that's really really cool and then when she stops him and goes like nah the, you had three settings and it sounds like all three settings are real bad so enjoy <laughs> like that was yeah. that was the first like fuck and I think let's see what's what's weird about this film and and. I, I I don't know if we should just popcorn this and like bounce all around, but like when that jump in time we referenced in the main episode where he's suddenly begun to adapt, like he knows enough sign language to communicate with people. Um, he is sort of like um, been interacting with his children. He's found a place for himself and he's, he's sort of going there. So when he has to sell his home, their stream, like at that point in time, he has already been given the chance to stay on with them and become like a staff member and stay and working with the kids. So it's like, in a sense, that doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It's only after he decides to get the implants and finds out what the result is that retroactively it makes those decisions to get rid of those things feel suddenly have that suddenly like they have weight. Because at the time you're like, Yo, like obviously your girlfriend probably forgot about you. You got this teacher here. <laughs> you got these yeah. kids that love you. You got like all these new friends. We don't know how long it's been, but like you kind of have your own new life and you don't need those things that tied you to that old world. But it's when he makes the decision 
to like literally tie himself to that world through these implants, it makes everything he's given up to get to that point suddenly become a sacrifice when before it was like superfluous stuff that he doesn't need anymore. Right. Um, so that kind of like, that was like the first like fuck moment, um, which was really kind of like impactful to see him respond to that stuff. Yeah. Well, and then what he's given up is this new family as well. And I think that is one of the things the movie does so well that like, like the actor who plays Joe just really nails is this was again, one of those things I was vaguely aware of was that, you know, it, it is seen often as a negative to get cochlear implants or, Maybe not always as a betrayal, but you know, as a as a thing that is going against the spirit of living as a deaf person and being a part of the ASL community. Um, the way he handles that, as a guy who is both looking out for all of the deaf people in his care, and then also looking out for all of the former addicts in his care, and how those two things are combining for him, um, and how sensitively he draws a hard line and says like you've made a decision and i i can't let you stay here having made that but i genuinely hope it gives you happiness and he even has like you know holding back tears that he lets out when when ruben leaves it it's just so good it is so well done and it communicates a really a complicated thing that i don't think the write it in a paragraph version would have worked for me i think i would have been like yeah but why i mean you're you're doing something to augment your you're writing a thing that to you was an absence because you grew up with hearing so why would why would that be a problem but then the he does such a good job of communicating that and then the movie does such a good job of supplementing that to kind of explain the the difference and yeah i i just thought I thought that was like one of the most difficult things to execute in that movie was that pivot point. And, and I feel yeah. like it just completely nailed it. Oh yeah. It <laughs> it's, and it's one of those things too, where you, when he starts to do it, it feels like a punishment. And then the more he talks about it, you realize that it's not about him. It's not about Ruben. It's about everyone else who lives at that home and what that message communicates to them if he's made this decision on his own. So it's like, it adds like an extra, like it's, it's not just the weight of the two people at that table. It's all of the other people who are at that house or compound or whatever you want to call it. Um, And like it, it, it definitely, it definitely, because like half of you wants to be like, he doesn't have anywhere else to go. You're just going to kick him out. But then you're like, well, you kind of really do have to. Um, But yeah, it was, it was definitely, a uh a very heavy moment for sure so so here's a question for you that i i want to because he at first when he first arrives at the place at the the home his goal is i just need to get better so that i can leave at some point he realizes that he's not going to get better and he transitions into living without hearing and he's sort of like he becomes embedded in the group and has friends and he's having fun and you know we've already you, you've already brought up the fact that this film tries to mirror the the behavior of an addict with um 
how he is on his arc and he's sort of happy like there's lo- like you see him with genuine happiness and he doesn't miss that life but then then he decides he just wants a little taste a little bump and he goes and he yeah. finds the computer and looks up his his girlfriend and sees that she's like playing shows alone with like looping pedals and shit like that and he's yeah. and he's instantly i need to go i need i need to go i need to fix this we need to get out and play again it's like this life that he has forgotten and gotten past suddenly comes roaring back to him and it's like he's making the decisions for a person he cannot communicate with for reasons that he can't justify because he's still he's just reverting back to the original goal which was we played a show tonight and it was fucked up because i couldn't hear if i can get my hearing back then we can start playing shows again and it's like he just in an instant he's relapsed and now it's all about him playing metal again <laughs> instead of yeah being in this life that he's made for himself adapting to the new life that he has so it, it's 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 kind of like it is that scene where you're watching a character in another film relapse but it's it's like such a drastic change for him because this involves selling all of his possessions and getting right. an implant that he doesn't even know if it'll work. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why the the speed at which it happens, it is a little jarring, but it fits because it it it, it feels like a relapse. Like it feels like how, you know, it takes forever to build up sobriety and it is very quick to fall off the wagon, right? It's very yeah. quick for someone to get that little inkling and then follow it. Um, and, and that's why, you know, in one of the more blunt parts of the movie, Joe says, you sound like an addict to me right now. Yeah. Like that's the one time when the movie really underlines the, the comparison. Um, and, and, and he is, and Riz Ahmed is like acting the shit out of that. Like he's yeah. jonesing in that scene like really hard. And it was very yeah. like, it was, it was one of those things where like, you know, like there's a couple lines that, that Joe says in that scene, like the one, like, we're not trying to fix this. We're trying to fix this. Like, all like those kind of lines, they would be cheesy if you were in the writing room and you didn't have a finished movie. And like, if like, if you're just looking at the words, you're like, that's kind of on the nose, but in the moment it is so brilliant and so like beautiful that it's like, man, this movie just wrecks you as you're watching it. So now I want to get to the last big, I think, brilliant, beautiful thing about this movie, which is he leaves, he gets on a plane, and he flies to... I, it was filmed in Belgium. I don't know if it's supposed to be France or Belgium. Uh, but he he flies to Europe to go find his girlfriend, Lou, and presumably to try to get the money to like get their uh, Airstream back and get their life back. And... There are two amazing things about this for me. One is the the parallel that we talked about before about like when you're in a foreign country and you don't understand the language and the the isolation that you feel from that. By the end of this journey, I feel like what he's learning is that isolation isn't so bad if you learn how to live with it and that isolation of being in a foreign country and not speaking the same language, but still knowing how to communicate with each other and still finding joy in that is similar to the one of not having hearing, but having all these other avenues to express yourself. And it like, like it flips it where the early dinner table scene 
is the chaos and confusion of not understanding. And the end is this relief that like, we don't need all this noise. Like it can be beautiful even if we don't perfectly understand each other. Um, so that's one that I thought was just a really, really like lovely metaphor in this movie. Yeah. Um, the second thing I wanted to highlight is there is a breakup scene in this movie that is so good. <laughs> like it, it is so good. And indirect like very few words are spoken and it is just done like perfectly perfectly that that was like one of the big tear jerkers in this movie for me i had to like rewind and rewatch it because i it, it just executed it so well with so little and it, it like it said everything in in that moment and i i i was just really 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 impressed with that scene and it didn't need it like this was a movie about him losing his hearing and going on this journey and then it like also decided to be like put this amazing cap on the arc of these two characters yeah. in a way that was just phenomenal this is like the him saying it's okay scene. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah i i do want to highlight too um another thing um just backing up a little bit for that he's given up the life that he had made without hearing he gets the cochlear implants and He's only ever experiencing the world in small doses where it's just him experiencing it. And then when he goes back to France, Belgium, wherever he is, and he is experiencing a party for the first time and you get like, first you're watching the party and you're like, Oh, he must be so happy to be with all these people. And then you get his POV and the mm -hmm. chaos and the inability for the implants to take that much input. And just think about like how many places you go where there's that much sensory input constantly and the, like the not being able to deal with that chaos. Like he solved this problem for tens of thousands of dollars and he thinks everything's good. And then he realizes the, the, like the first thing that hits you is when he's in all the chaos and he still can't communicate with people because there's too much input and he can't, here because there's too much distortion and all this stuff going on and then when he is like when when lou is singing with her dad at the piano and you're getting this like he is he is lost in the beauty of this moment even though he is getting like the 12-bit chiptune version yeah. of her singing it's still beautiful to him and then it's interrupted by the applause of everybody in the room and it's like he's he's lost staring at her and hearing this beautiful degraded sound and then it's just a rush of chaos that hits him and he realizes that mm -hmm. like no he still isn't able to get that thing that he really really wanted which is like to see her in it performing that's still yeah. ruined by the fact that other people are there and he can't perceive stuff correctly with all those people there participating as well yeah. um so it's just like another time of like realize it's like the the cochlear implants are like the monkey paw right it's like yeah. you got your wish you can hear again but it's going to be distorted for your entire life and it's going to really suck most of the time but at least you can hear right like you can hear again but it will be noise and that doesn't mean like you won't understand it but it will be cacophonous like it's going to yeah. be this thing that is not natural anymore it isn't a seamless part of your life it's like a it's like a utilitarian thing and I am the last person to solve the problem of whether hearing impaired people should get implants or not. Like, I, like I, I understand that, you know, I feel like 
the only right way to do it would be to view that as a tool that you can turn off and have on for moments when it might be necessary, but not as a thing that you rely on for your primary communication. Because it, it, the movie at least makes it seem like it would degrade everything. It's it's the equivalent of, you know, staring at your phone twenty four seven or like being unable to enjoy a sunset because you always have, you, you know, it like it like it's the yeah. same overly connected problem that we deal with all the time. But now it is like literally everything around you becomes this digital input that is violating the kind of sanctity and quietness of the life as you've learned how to live it. So that is the one thing that this film doesn't seem concerned with acknowledging. Um, is that like, so in this relationship, Ruben drives everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the thing that he drives is this giant machine that is nothing but blind spots and you can't really see anything. And I definitely, as soon as he gets behind the wheel, I was like, shouldn't you have her drive? Like I, there, there was definitely like a sense of like, there is, there is some part of hearing, which is also about safety and not just about, are you differently abled because of your inability to hear hear, hear excuse me <clears throat> so it, like that is one thing this film doesn't isn't concerned with acknowledging as a counterpoint i guess to why you might want to have some sort of augmentation um so that that's just just throwing i don't really have a real point with that it's just a thing that i i thought about safety um or like yeah. there's a scene in this film where it's i uh, I'm guessing it's when he finally loses all of the hearing. Like it's the moment where he wakes up and like, there literally is not a single uh, amount of hearing that he's having at all. And he just wrecks the shit out of a bunch of equipment. And he's like hitting things on the ground. And he doesn't seem to be aware that Lou even exists within his same space. And that seemed very, very dangerous and violent. (laughs) And like, it's like moments like that where like lots of times we've all been doing whatever and lost in thought. And then somebody like comes in and goes, Hey, and you're like, Oh shit. Like, right. Like your entire life would be like that if you couldn't hear. Right. <laughs> like It's just, everyone is a surprise <laughs> at all times. Right. And, and I think like, like some important factors there. One is this would be true if you suddenly lost your hearing. Yeah. Right. I think, living as a deaf person or like learning how to flow through the world without hearing other things become more important. Like, like, you know, there are deaf lift drivers and like, there are a few things I think, you know, they get special things in the car to make it. So like certain things will translate individual signals for them. I also have heard that like peripheral vision becomes much more heightened when that's the only input that you have. Yeah. yeah. But it does, the interim is the terrifying part, which is like you are used to heavily relying on this new input stream and you don't have it anymore. Um, and yeah, that would be terrifying. An interesting thing, though, that I think this movie is getting at is more than just hearing and not hearing. It's about like the big difference between a conversation when you can hear and a conversation when you can't is you can passively listen to a conversation when you are hearing something. Like I was talking to my mom last week because my, my uncle is deaf 
and she was talking about how her parents will pick him up uh, and like bring him to their place. And I was realizing like logistically when you're speaking sign language, you can't sign to someone else when the two of you are on a drive together because the person can't focus on the road and also like turn and be doing sign language with you. And so there's some like inherent focus in communicating via sign language where like when you're talking, you are talking to the person and that is what you are doing and you are not doing anything else. Yeah. And I think that the movie turns that into stillness and contentedness and almost meditation of the idea of like, be present in the things you can be present in and be still when you can be still. And I, I just thought that was like a really, really interesting concept that I hadn't, I hadn't really considered before. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that stillness, you've kind of hinted at this already, but at the end of the film where he, like we, we've got a, a, a speech from Joe early on in the film about like, Hey, right now you're worried about what you've lost, but life sucks. The world sucks. There's like sorrow and all sorts of shit in the world. That's just terrible. But these moments of pure silence are like the closest thing you have to God and being able to sit in isolation without the rest of the world interfering on you is like this beautiful moment that you, if you can achieve this, you'll realize that like what you have is actually kind of a gift. And at the end of this film, after this breakup scene has happened, he's, he sits down in a park and like a clock tower starts ringing the bell and he's just like, shit, I don't want to listen to this. And he just yanks off the cochlear implants. And it's just like, it's, it's like in, in, uh, first man, right. When they, when they step out of the, <laughs> the lunar craft and it's just pure silence. And it was like, as soon as that happened, I was like, this is the last shot of the movie and it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> And it was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's perfect. It really makes that, uh, that other SF film movie we watched last year, the sound of silence or whatever, feel like <laughs> not that great anymore. <laughs> that, if I remember correctly, we didn't say it was that great at the time either. Right? Or, yeah. We, we, we didn't say it was great, but we appreciated some parts of it. And I feel like, even those parts, I feel like this movie just wipes the floor with. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. This is the tuning fork movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> this movie is definitely very indicting to me, who certainly in quarantine, like, I always throw in headphones. Like, the idea of just sitting and being still and not having some kind of input is, like, nearly impossible to me. <laughs> um well, so maybe I'll try it. Maybe maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and have a cup of coffee and just like sit there and do nothing for for a half hour. But that, that's that's one of the things that like I mean this is stupid and it's petty, but it's one of the things that like I was thinking of over the course many times over the course of this or mostly at the beginning when he's starting to lose his hearing is that it was different before um bef before COVID there were times when I put my headphones in and there were most of the times when they were out, right. It was like when I'm walking to the office, they're in, when I'm walking home at night, they're in, um, in between spits of working, they're in. But now my, I get up in the morning, you know, a shower. And as soon as I'm out of the shower, my headphones go on and they don't go off until I go to sleep at like 1am. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm never not with them in. 
And when I'm doing, like if I'm working, they're in and I'm either listening to people on a conference call or I'm listening to podcasts when I work. And most of my information that I take in, like we, we've talked in the past about the fact that like, I don't, I don't read very much. Um, I, it's just a thing that like I never really got into and I don't do it much. Um, so most of my worldly input of anything that's happening in the world is coming from auditory things, podcasts, like the thing we're doing right now. And so much of my day is, is supplemented by having that audio driving processes in my brain and being, allowing me to focus on one thing while listening to another. And I think that like in a world where like, I just couldn't even listen to podcasts anymore. Like it's just gone. I don't know how time would pass for me (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to stimulate myself through audio. Um, and it's, it's like a, it's, it's a simple, stupid thing to think about, but it's also a thing that like, that would be, I mean, like losing the ability to go to movie theaters to watch movies was a huge change in my life on its own. And that's like the simplest thing, but not being able to listen to anything like most of the time doesn't fucking matter because I'm in my apartment alone and there's no one here. And if somebody, if I'm communicating with somebody, it might be through text, but like stimulation of any type is coming through audio. Uh, And that's the thing that I rely on to kind of stay sane. Um, And it's, it's just, it, it's interesting to think of like, so many things I could live without, but the simple part of my daily stimulation currently is purely auditory. Um, so it was just one one thing. Oh, that yeah, I thought it's about. interesting to wonder what what would come in its place, or would the answer be nothing and don't like learn to live without the constant stimulation? And I think that's kind of one thing the movie's wrestling with. Yeah. Whereas I'm about to go to bed and still have one AirPod in and have a podcast on while I fall asleep. Because <laughs> I've learned no lessons from this movie. <laughs> no, it's so that is the one thing about falling to sleep, especially if there's like another person present, <laughs> is silence is deafening. <laughs> like you, mm-hmm. it, you, you kind of, if you're not, re- if, it's one thing if you're like, busted ass tired um or bunched and you're just like i'm going to fall asleep it doesn't matter you can just pass out but if you're not quite you're not in that uh that oh my god here it comes moment it it, right you like you will not go to sleep unless you can have something that doesn't make you hear how much noise you make when you're doing nothing (laughs) yeah and i one problem of shelter in place is i have not had the karma waterfall ever (laughs) i've never earned that it's always that like on the fence feeling it it does like talking about this does take me back to um our the uh the whiskey trip that we did um and just you me and luke in small places that are basically like little like twin beds stacked right next to each other and just the three of us with headphones in going to sleep Uh, good times. <laughs> good times. <laughs> Any last thoughts before we go, Stephen? Uh, no, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was the sound of metal, 
And that was our sound of spoilers. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs> Bye.